Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hello. Hi. I'm covered in your dog's hair. Yeah, welcome to my house. Yeah. You know what you're not covered in? <laughs> I don't know. Hair in your head, my friend. Well, hair I, on your head is missing. Well, like I would half say, of it, I'd No, say. I would say about 80%. Okay, 80% of your hair on your head is 40% missing. 40% on one side and 40% on the other. I should say purposely missing. It's not like you left it somewhere. Right. You didn't mislay it on the subway, for example. <laughs> gross <laughs> yay you have a mohawk on your head yeah i have a mohawk yeah it looks yeah. very nice thank you yeah it's very colorful it's bright red it's bright red for the season yeah should the, you wish it to be thanksgiving the or... dye calls it vampire red well that's not this i guess that's the previous season and then my friend who was uh putting in the dye she put it on her hand she was wearing gloves she put it on her hand first and then mm-hmm. put it in my hair and she was like this looks like blood <laughs> yes <laughs> apropos yep but uh, what do we do on this podcast besides talk about blood? Uh, we talk about my hair. Yes, we do. We talk about hair on you. Nah. Oh, yeah. Hair on me. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. It's just the hair podcast. It's not the hair podcast. All hair all We the just time. sing songs from hair and then copyright shoes. Uh, and, uh, and maybe a couple afros, mm. depending on the book. And Give me lots of hair. Long, beautiful hair. No one's going to sing sh- the musical hair with no. me are they okay <laughs> well actually what i think i was going for was more that we talk about picture books ah. on this podcast picture books that sometimes have to do with hair but yeah um, give me a picture book with a mohawk uh sure but not today Aww. today's has mm, i can guarantee there are no mohawks in in today's book like at all well then is like it, at all well at then all. is it really a classic uh, well, that'll be for you to determine now, won't it? So, Jerry Pinkney, uh, who was a very, very great uh, children's uh, author-illustrator, he died recently, because we have lost a ton of great children's book creators this year. Like, not as much last year, but this year, we've just lost a, a slew of them. And uh, Jerry Pinkney was one of the more recent ones. And he did, um, we did Mirandy and Brother Wind. That was one of his that we did. We did Sam and the Tigers. So we've done at least two of his in the past. And so I was, you know, racking my brain because his most famous book came out in 2009. And I was like, I can't, we have a 20 year rule on this podcast. I couldn't justify, I was like, it is not 2029 as sweet as that would be. I could not wait for 2029. That is going to be a good year. I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay. But it's not there yet. So um, I decided to look at what types of books he was really into. And man, this guy loved fairy tales. He loved them. He just did tons of them. He Practically every other book he did was a fairy tale. So I decided to go back and find one of the, one of the big first ones he ever did. I'm going to pull it out of the bo- bag now. You ready? Uh-huh. Here we go. All right, boy. Here we go. Oh, 
Little Red Riding Hood by Jerry Pinkney. That's the pink, long pink and short knee. of it. Yep. Pinkney. Pink. Pink. Too many ends. Pinkney. I wanted to be Pinkney or or Pinky. Mr. Or, Pinky. Jerry Pinkney. Little Red Riding Hood. Go read that book. All right. Excellent. While Kate does her read, I think there's been a lot said about Jerry Pinkney, but there are two aspects of his career that I particularly enjoy hearing about, and I'll, I'm just going to relay them to you now. First and foremost, Jerry Pinkney, and this was not particularly well known, had dyslexia. Um, as a result, he tended to turn towards drawing and learned that he was quite good at it. Uh, in fact, he when he was supposed to be selling newspapers at the newsstand when he was 11, uh, instead he sort of ended up selling portraits of people. He had paper, he had pencil in hand, he, he would just draw people who were there, and, uh, and people loved it. They thought it was really cool. Now, his junior high didn't offer art classes, so he took private lessons on Saturdays or, or after school. And of course, he was sketching. And while he was sketching, he met a kind of a mentor. And I just absolutely love this. It was cartoonist John Linney. He's probably best remembered for the Little Henry comic strips. I'll link to them in the show notes. If you see them, you may recognize them. Well, he just noticed Pinkney drawing one day and invited him to see his studio and then showed Jerry around and, and offered him some art supplies. And, and in a way, this had an incredible impression on him, he said. He finally had a sort of a feel for what it was like to be a working artist in some way. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Oh! Is that your wolf imitation? Yes. Because you're going to make my dog howl if you he keep doing that. He's looking at me like right now. <laughs> uh how how did this book meet your expectations? How how what happens? It's, in it? it is the classic story of Little Red Riding Hood. So there's no there's no deviation. This is the story that I have been told forever. It, that's what this is. Okay, interesting. I'll well, go I'm, through it. Yeah, well, we're, we're going since, to go through it since I'm sure most people are familiar with the story of Little Maybe Red Riding so, Hood. Maybe so, but I think I think there's still some deviations. I think there's still some ways it could go one way or another in general well uh so right so there's a mother and her daughter and Mm -hmm. the mother knit well knit she knit she sewed together a cape with a hood and it's red and all the townspeople called this little girl little red riding hood because of how much she loved this cape hood combo even though she's never seen riding in it but sure right (laughs) well it's a riding hood right for riding but she doesn't ride she doesn't ride anything walks a lot little red walking hood (laughs) yep So uh, the mother one day says, oh, your grandma's not feeling well, which made me go, how do you... How do you even know? How did she know? Because they didn't did have phones. Did a telegram phones. come? Right. They didn't have phones. So did the mother... Psychic. Go to the grandmother, see that she was sick, come back, make something... Oh, that's possible. And then say, I'm too tired to walk. I'm going to make you do it because I just walked all this way and I baked and I cooked. Also, I got to make dinner. And because I spent all day when I would have normally been doing that, making this food. Right. So I think that makes perfect sense. Okay. You literally have no job, child. Go. So she says, yeah, um, I need you to see how she's doing. So send 
this chicken soup and raisin muffins and goes straight to grandmother's Right, we cottage. never know how she knows. It was fascinating. Okay, go ahead. Right. So then I was wondering, if this took place today, do you think a mother would send her child out without a cell phone to walk into the woods a few miles, let's say, to a family member's house? I don't think anyone has sent their children out to go through a walk in the long woods about that age since 1989. At which point the helicopter parenting fell like a mighty boom, and uh, and no child was ever allowed outside alone again. And this takes that. place in the winter time, so you know that she's only got like two hours of daylight. I like that. <laughs> I like that element though, because you usually see Little Red Riding Hood in the springtime because she has she gathers flowers. That's always the thing. She sees some pretty flowers. And yeah, then no, she gathers this is them. like thirty degrees or colder outside. She's got no gloves. She's got a, no, co- she's got a cloak. The no cloak makes winter no boots. sense in the in the summer. So. She looks freezing. I am cold for her. Yeah, she's not there's wearing, a lot of bare skin there. She's not I wearing wouldn't. nearly enough layers. She needs gloves at least. Give she, the give the little girl a scarf. Does Come she on. have like? Well, we can't tell what she has under that hood. She might have a scarf under it, there. No, no, it's just no, no it's, it's just, just a hood because later on she takes it off. Oh, so. well, maybe it's like what's that thermo fleece that you know that that's really, what her, like, her dress is made out like of. A, no, no, that's what the hood's made out of. See, it's like it's like a protective thermo. No. F- no. no not no oh all right she's the mother just sent her child out in the cold to die in the, in cold. the snow and said good luck you'll warm up when you're walking you know what it is you know what it is because i have kids and i've seen this in other children as well she said also put your coat on under that and the girl was like i'm fine and she was like you're gonna freeze to death and she's like i'm fine and then she gets happy through the woods and she's like i'm cold yeah that's yeah. that's probably what that's happened. exactly what happened but as she's walking through the woods you can see the little like woodland animals you got some rabbits he's just showing off at this point he's like you want me to do a deer it's do a very deer. realistic Boom. yeah illustrations with watercolor and pencil it looks like yeah he had such a funny unique style with like he would do these pencil overlays and then he'd he'd delicately do all the little watercolors inside yeah they're very squiggly very squiggly and very tiny yeah so much detail so then Loa Rhino is walking in the woods and she comes across, well, a wolf. But in this picture, when we first see Kinda the wolf. Kind of coyote-ish, actually. I was thinking it looks more like a, like a fox because it's yeah. orangish. So then I was like, okay, so. Well, coyote is sort of a mix of a wolf and a fox. Is it a fox-wolf mixed breed? Is it a fulf? A fulf or a wax? A wax. It's definitely a wax. <laughs> Walks going for a walk in the woods. It's a walks with bright that yellow very, eyes. Yeah, that's practically Susan. So uh, the little red riding hood sees this wolf, and the wolf's like, hey, where are you going? And she's like, well, I'm going to go see my grandmother. I'm taking her some food. And, Talking predator, man. And the wolf uh, is like, oh, cool. I'm going to come with you because I was going that way too. Uh, and then he's like, oh, why don't you pick up some kindling for a fire? I guess this is where it's usually flowers. It's usually flowers. But in it's this, a lot to ask that she pick up kindling. That stuff's not light. But in this <laughs> illustration, it looks like she's scolding him, and he is not having it. That's because you own a dog. You know what it looks like when you scold a dog. <laughs> well, you don't have the teeth bearing tongue yeah. out, nose scrunch. Like this is this looks like he's going to attack, and she's like, no. And she's, yeah. But that's not at all cohesive with the text. No. No. It it looks very. She's pointing, isn't she? I think, isn't she saying, like, that's where I'm going? Right, she's pointing to, like, where she's headed, but it looks, the illustration just looks like she's scolding him, and Mm -hmm. he's furious. (laughs) And he's going to eat her right here, and that's the end of the story. Well, why doesn't he eat her 
right here anyway. He thought better of it when he heard the chop-chop of woodcutters working nearby. Because if she screamed, then they'd come and cut him up. I don't know. If the woodchopper, if, if they're using like a wood chipper or something, that's going to be super loud. Oh, if it's a wood chipper. But if we're talking about like pre-wood chipper era, it's very hard to tell what era this yeah, is. I have no idea what I this have is. No idea. I'm, tr- I'm looking for any kind of hint, but... Like, is she wearing a Timex watch or something? But I'm not seeing any of that. But as she's uh, off gathering sticks with the help of all the woodland creatures around her. A blue jay is carrying a stick. Blue jay ain't going to help you to do anything. She's turning into, like, sleeping beauty right now. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Watch out, girl. The wolf is uh, making a beeline straight to grandma's house. And he'll be like, I'll see you there. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, though, you have this squirrel (laughs) in the tree that looks petrified (laughs) i saw a wolf i'd be petrified too i don't know if he's trying to like warn her but he's making this i've never seen a squirrel make a face like this before that's a really funny face with all these realistic illustrations Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know what that is i don't know what he's doing there hey 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 it's more like he's going run run oh that's the sound they make that's totally the sound they make (laughs) when they're staring at you from the tree run run (laughs) yeah so the wolf gets to grandmother's house and grandma's like, who's there? And he goes, it's me, your granddaughter. Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the grandmother goes, oh, uh, the door's unlocked. Just lift the latch. At this point, the wolf realized he didn't have opposable no, thumbs. Seriously, if dogs could figure out how to lift latches, we would have been in trouble a long time ago. But he's doing the when we did the book. Uh, what was it, Bill and P- Bill and Pete? Yeah, Pete Bill and Pete. Yeah, yeah. where uh, the the tippy toe noise. That's what it looks like he's doing on the snow because he's like it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. But he's also being faithful to wolf anatomy. You know he's studied the musculature to do that shot because it's such an awkward position for a wolf to be in it it doesn't look comfortable for him and he didn't need to be unless this is him doing the latch which maybe we got yeah. him in i like the shadow i like the shadow of him on the door oh he yeah. looks very threatening in the shadow yeah because he's... he doesn't look very threatening in the <laughs> <laughs> uh. right so the wolf comes in he eats the grandmother whole mm. but Next to the bed, there is a portrait of a woman looking at the wolf like, <gasps> oh, seriously? Was, and I'm like, that's an interesting portrait to have next to your bed. But yeah. I want you to burn this picture into your head. Remember what it looks like. All right. All right. I'm kind of scared now. We're going to come back to that. The little Red Riding Hood finally gets up to the house and she- Lugging firewood, which she didn't have well, to do. just- it's just I sticks. Guess. I it's guess. Not, it's not like logs. All right. All right. It's got fine. sticks. It's kindling, really. It's kindling. It's kindling. All right. right. Just to start the fire. Right. So uh, so she knocks on the door and uh, the wolf says, oh, just lift the latch and come on in. I cannot wait to see how much you've grown. Hmm. At this point, I'm like, dude, don't improvise. Yeah, I know. We she, have a script. She might have seen the grandmother like a week ago. Oh, seriously, right? Well, so, you know, the old people constantly are saying like, oh, how much you've grown since the last time I've seen you? It's been like two hours. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was like, like, dude, it is stick kind of giving to away the, the script, game. Yeah. all right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're trying too hard. So she comes into the cottage um, and the wolf is there with the blankets over him, and he's kind of definitely got a lump happening underneath the sheets. Nice quote. And next to the bed, there's like a basket with knitting needles, and then there's a bottle full of orange liquid with a cork stopper. Again, remember this illustration, please. Okay. 
Because we'll come back to I it also. I assume that's Grandma's little helper. But yeah. So this is the part of the story that I just hate. I just hate this oh, part. Oh, what? You what? This is like the, where, the gist of the whole thing. The crux like, of it, if you will. Oh, what great arms you have. Oh, what great ears you have. Oh, what great eyes you have. And I'm like... She's just playing have it out at that point. Have you never seen your grandmother before? Well, ever? she has, and she hasn't looked like that. I don't think she's ever think she's seen being... this woman. Or she thinks that her mother <laughs> is a half-wolf, half-human hybrid. Maybe she thinks Granny's a werewolf. She is a quarter wolf at this point, at this, then. Well, if, if she is, then now is the time to learn that fact. Let's just be clear on one thing. Little Red Riding Hood is an idiot. Yes, all right? fine. Yes, She's all 100% right. an idiot. Yeah, this is not a great disguise. So, uh, obviously, the wolf, as we all know, uh, eats little red riding hood hole and i'm thinking yeah. how does a wolf swallow a human hole because you have the shoulders mm-hmm. that you have to somehow unhinge your jaw and like I'm a thinking, snake yeah, it's exactly it unhinging jaw like a snake i think that's the only way to make i don't it think he has enough like skin in order to do that on his cheeks He's a very special you've wolf. got hips to get past you know yeah I, plus I, the fabric of the whole thing which i think into the woods i mean we haven't invoked it yet but into the woods does talk about he has a little strip of the of the red fabric between his teeth, and that's how they know that he's eaten little red right. red. Yeah. <sighs> but I do like his yellow eyes. Anyway, oh, so we get to uh, the woodman that was in the woods. He noticed that there was a strange noise coming from the cottage where he knows a little old lady lives. He gets to the cottage, and can I just say, this is a gorgeous winter cottage. Oh, yeah. I love uh, the roof. I love the front door. Mm-hmm. This is a very well-designed winter cottage. The woodworking is excellent. I want to spend a weekend in here with a cup of cocoa <laughs> and light a fire because I'm, I'm digging this architecture. I can't argue <laughs> with that. So, right, so he hears a weird noise. He sees two sets of prints in the snow, one of a little girl, one of a something with large paw prints. He goes into the house, and he sees the wolf in the bed, right? Right. He goes right up to it, and he can see that the wolf is snoring incredibly loudly Mm -hmm. with a protruding belly underneath the quilt. And the stopper on the bottle next to the bed is off the bottle, and the liquid is gone. Wait, he drank Grandma's Little Helper? was it a mini bottle was it oh it's clearly a mini bottle no 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 that was her special friend her her, her secret um, sauce and he drank it sauce and he drank it and it just knocked him out because she has a tolerance for it but he hadn't worked up to that (laughs) point yet so right also you know you've had a big meal and then you have a glass of wine and you're just like boom you're out right That's, that's what happened yep Humans are like turkey, I guess. That is an amazing detail <laughs> that I don't think anyone has probably ever noticed, and I'm going to include the editor on that. Well, don't worry. There's another detail that I think everyone should ponder as to why this happens. <laughs> which, um, before we get to that detail, though, uh, first the woman has to kill the wolf. So he kills the wolf, but you don't really see it. You just see the shadow on the wall. Which is kind of horror filmish well yeah because outside you just see all these animals running for their yeah, lives seriously well the, he's got an axe you know don't near, get near that guy but how does he kill the wolf does he decapitate it he decapitates it usually right you, sometimes you he takes a ch- knife and he oh no he's this guy belly, this but... guy has an axe and you can't chop through the stomach or the chest no, or you, you might you hit. chop through the head and then this cavity they just walk through apparently Ew. without any goo or anything it's amazing it's like being inside a tent yeah so you get to the point where uh grandma and little red riding hood ha- are have 
escaped out of the wolf. Mm-hmm. You can see the wolf's head. It does, and it does seem to still be attached with a, or well, at least you're seeing the paws. It's got a little blood on yeah. his nose, but that's okay. it. Yeah. And now look at the portrait next to the bed, that's and eerie. it's of Grandma with a much happier, less Why worried Why does Grandma face. have a picture of herself at her current age hanging Why does the, on the picture wall? change? Because they're not in danger anymore. But who has a picture changing frame next to their bed in the it's, what 17th i don't know what century this I is don't but. Know either. well they've got a bed made of iron or something so yeah i have no idea the only thing i can figure is there's no it's weird because there's literally aside from the fact that there's a wolf that talks and eats people and then they come out without wet clothes there's no magical element to this story i i think that's a weird thing to say but there is there's no fairy who frees them from the belly. No, it's a man. It's a man with an axe. Yeah. Who chops its head off. And we're and I guess they're hiding all of the blood uh from view. Yeah, but I you think know that there's a strategic You know that quilt here. is just soaked oh, it's in gone. blood. It's gone. You may as well just throw that out at this point. That's disgusting. You cannot get that. You cannot get wolf blood out. And so they eat some food and they sit by the fire and then she's like, "Okay, I'm going to go home." And then she goes back home to the end. So not much actually to say about the story beyond that. Um, though the critics did like the fact that Little Red Riding Hood appears to be multiracial. Um, yep. And that is a rare thing in even to this day in the fairy tales that come out. Um, you know, like I say, Jerry Pinkney was a huge fan of fairy tales. He couldn't get enough of them. And he really liked Hans Christian Andersen, which is kind of a weird thing to like. But he liked Hans Christian Andersen. He liked uh, the Grimm brothers. He liked that French guy whose name I can never remember, but he did Cinderella. He liked all that stuff. So he would do him kind. He liked Aesop. He liked, you know, he liked uh, Bjorsen. Um, So I figured, yeah, we're going to talk about a Jerry Pigney fairy tale. This isn't a bad one to do. It's pretty classic. There have been versions of Little Red Riding Hood where they don't, like where like the wolf like locks Granny in a closet or something, which I always feel is just a cheap way of getting around things. Because if the wolf's going to come in to eat somebody, he's going to eat somebody. Right. <gasps> Ratings time. Yeah, this has always been an odd story to me. I never like the man saving the day. I don't like the innocence slash stupidity of the little girl. Uh, the fact that a wolf can't get its mouth around shoulders and not chew. Uh I mean, the illustrations are very pretty. I guess I was just hoping that he might have changed the ending somehow. He did the pure classic story with great illustrations, but would I call his illustrations a classic? Not necessarily. So I gave it a five. Okay. I uh, I like this version quite a lot. I agree with you actually about it. Um, there is a version in fairy tale comics where the woodsman is actually a woodswoman. She's a big bulky woman who comes in, who gets them out of the stomach by hitting the wolf really hard in the stomach. So they come out in a cartoony, like, out of the, that was very cool. That may be my favorite method of removing them from the stomach of the wolf. And then she just like walks off with like the wolf in a headlock at the end. Um, that is not this story. This story is very classic, but it's what people are looking for. When people come in looking for Little Red Riding Hood, they're usually, I don't know, they have some vision of it in their brain that they want. Uh, and this is a very beautiful version of it. I love that the wolf drank the cordial or whatever it was on the side of the bed. That was a great detail that you found. 
and uh, I love his art in this. I think this was uh, this was peak Pinkney, you know, in a lot of ways. He really had like the the watercolor technique down pat. He clearly wanted to challenge himself by doing winter scenes. I've heard illustrators say that doing snow is hard. You would think it wouldn't be because it's like, well, you just don't draw in those places, but it's not that. You have to basically paint it in even then. And it's a lot of work. And he, his snowy, like when the snow is on the boughs of those trees, those trees are bent under the weight of it. There is weight to his art. Um, the fabrics, the colors. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I like it quite a lot. So I'm giving it a 6.5. All right. Well, it's a classic. It's a classic. Not a top, top classic, but it's a classic. All right. Okay, letters time. Ooh. Okay, letters time is fascinating. Apparently, well... First, I should confess, I made a mistake. As I was putting the images on Instagram, I accidentally started putting the images on my own personal Instagram, which is linked to go to my professional Facebook page. I quickly learned after about three pictures that I was doing it wrong, and then I deleted them and went on. What that did not delete was the pictures from Facebook, whereupon people got very interested in our pictures from Curious George and got into huge discussions, which is fascinating. I'm going to begin just with Daniel B., who we had um, pointed out that, you know, there was an F.A.O. Schwartz, but it wasn't F.A.O. Schwartz, it was F.A.O. Brown, right? Yep. Then there was a bookstore. We said, oh, does anyone know what this bookstore is? We, I don't know. I did not expect anyone to come up with the answer of this, quite frankly, because who knows what bookstores were in New York at that time? Well, as it just so happens, Daniel B. finds a link to New York bookstores in 1946. And he writes, the bookstore is probably referencing, re- referring to the Doubleday bookstore owned by the publisher. You'll see it referenced here. So he linked to it. And I went to that link and it said the big player among the publisher owned bookstores was Doubleday, which not only had a Fifth Avenue flagship, but 19 stores in the U.S., including outlets at Penn and Grand Stations, as well as elsewhere in the city. Doubleday also ran several book clubs, including the Literary Guild. Do you remember what the name of the bookstore was in the Curious George book? Was it Double Night? It was Double Night. Nice. So nice that clearly is the reference. So that was cool. Um, in the course of the comments, there were two that I, I was particularly fond of. Uh, Andy Lates, he, uh, bookstore, ran the bookstore in New York for quite some time himself. Uh, the Bank Street Bookstore for many years. He wrote in and he said, Alan Shellick came to my children's bookstore in Chicago once, ranting about his relationship with Margaret Ray. Margaret Ray, of course, being H.A. Ray's wife. He said the dozens of spinoff books he wrote were work for hire and he never got royalties. He was super bitter. Anyway, I guess Alan gets credit for much of the character's longevity because there are a million Curious George spinoff books at this point. So that was interesting. But then finally, Nick Brule, who creates the Bad Kitty series, says, The Curious George books are very loosely an inspiration for why I adapted Bad Kitty into a chapter book series. Long before I started making my own books, I found myself puzzled one day, contemplating why the Rays didn't take one more step to make Curious George chapter books. The stories were already very text-heavy and religiously followed the three-act plot structure, but they didn't. And years later, when faced with the conundrum of what to do with my own picture book character, I decided to defy the convention set by the Rays and go full-on chapter book with my cat. Side note, 
After swallowing a puzzle piece and breaking a leg and overdosing on ether, it's kind of amazing the monkey survived to see so many books. And then later, remember, we were I had sort of challenged people. It was like, are there any picture books in which there was an out-and-out drug sequence? Uh, Nick actually wrote later, and he said, Holy smokes! I'm genuinely ashamed of myself. I just remembered that I have an incident that comes even closer to one of my own books. Kitty gets a big whiff of catnip while out on a hike and hallucinates Bastet, <laughs> the Egyptian goddess of cats. To this day, I'm pretty surprised I haven't received any accusations of encouraging a drug culture. For the record, this takes place in Bad Kitty Camp Days. So there you go. It's not a picture book. It's a chapter book, but it definitely has a drug-induced hallucinogenic sequence in a children's book. So okay. I consider that a win. Grown-up things we like. Uh, you go first. Okay. Mine's really quick. I think I did it last year, too. Uh, it's that time of year again for Holiday Baking Championship on the Food Network. And my family loves it because it's a good family-friendly thing where we all have our favorite bakers and they make foods that we would never eat. I'm sorry. I don't like plums. Okay. I just don't. And they do a lot of plums. They're, they did a, a fruit-based challenge recently. Uh. Canned fruit. Oh, speaking of food challenges, uh, mine is also a baking show, but mine is on Netflix, and it's called Baking Impossible, which combines bakers with engineers to make things like ships, robots, mini golf courses, edible cars that do crash tests, skyscrapers that do shake tests, edible clothes. It's it's a really interesting show. You have to start from the beginning because they eliminate a team every episode. Mm-hmm. The lead judge used to be on the Great British Baking Show. For anyone that has watched the show, he was the redhead Irishman named Andrew. Um, You've got an engineer contestant who works for NASA. You have a black female engineer. You've got a gay engineer. I love the diversity. And not everyone is, uh, you know, from America. You've got someone from Brazil, someone from Peru. I think someone from Wales. Like, you've got a bunch of different people coming together, and they call them Baconeers. Uh, (laughs) Bakers, engineers, together, Baconeers. It's it's a very interesting show uh, because you kind of learn science and bacon at the same time well and baking really is just science when you get down to it so it yeah. makes a lot of yeah. sense what's so, the name of that again baking impossible on netflix very good well i think next week you should bring me a show or bring me a book that has a mohawk all right that is super hard <laughs> folks i need you to suggest them at fusecated at gmail.com do not suggest any offensive ones with native americans in them i'm telling you that right now we need a straight up mohawk but not an offensive mohawk. Or if it's offensive, be prepared, because then we will tear that book apart. Yep. All right. I think that's fair. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And until I find you a mohawk somewhere, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our big bad wolf is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird. <laughs>